evening. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on LG. LG is from Thelma and the Sleaze. And I've actually just started listening to you the past couple months. So I'm pretty I'm a pretty new fan, but I had to have you on because really enjoy your music. Thank you. What would you qualify your music? Not qualify. Would you say your sound is like I hate describing a band's sound because I think it's kind of unfair to the band, but I hear a lot of influences, a lot of different stuff in it. Yeah. Um, I call it rock and roll. That's fine. It is rock and roll. And I think there are a lot of things that maybe other people don't consider rock and roll that I consider rock and roll. So uh, I just call it rock and roll. It's about the energy and the intention, you know? Well, you have a lot of videos. You've, you've the band's pretty, not pretty, like uh, 2010, I think, right? When you guys first became this version of the band. And yeah. you guys have been pretty prolific on putting out music over the years, too. You don't slow down, you know, whether you're funding it and playing out and touring. And you're currently in between touring right now. So we'll probably talk about that. Is there a bigger challenge now? Because you, you actually were touring and doing some touring before COVID, the, the dirty word. And now afterwards, you know, is it a lot harder now? Well, Yes. It is. Well, there's just, it's not so much that it's harder. It's just presented new challenges. Um, Cause in a lot of ways, the way that I tour has gotten a little bit easier, thankfully mm-hmm. in some ways, like I generally get paid now uh, all the that's, time. That's super important. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's more people at our shows than have ever been at our shows. There's still not like crazy amounts, but there's more. And there's all these things that, have, uh, you know, we're typically not touring in Honda Odyssey, which is nice because we toured in Honda Odyssey for five years. Wow. So, you. <laughs> so those things are kind of not as present, but um, yeah, COVID has presented new challenges where, you know, I got Rona on this last run and uh yeah, it was like, okay, what do we do now? You know, right. where do we go? And how do I isolate? And how do I make sure the other girls don't have it or get it? And which shows do we need to cancel? And, you know, how do we make it work? And how do we make sure the promoters are, you know, we meet their standards or whatever they are. So, yeah, it was just like new challenges. And then also like, you know, we drove into the Northwest right as like a big spike happened so there was not just like our show getting canceled and moved but then the bands that were supposed to play with us couldn't play with us and then you know uh you know venue staffing you know so so there was like a lot that happened um which are huge things for a band of your size because i mean even ginormous bands one singer gets sick that's it like i mean somebody gets catches it it is annihilating huge tours when you guys are working city to city and working you know no we didn't cancel our whole tour we can't afford that that. we couldn't afford to do that and also i wasn't going to do that it's not reasonable um everyone who you know uh was involved obviously cares about people's well-beings Everyone, um, you know, we we all did our best to make sure that we were going to keep people safe and not put anyone at risk. But at the end of the day, we were 
all the way across the country. Um, the gas was insane this tour. I mean, oh. talking about 200 to $250 a day in gas alone when my guarantees oh. are only $500. So you do the math when you pay your bandmates, you know, $200 uh, after you buy a meal for everyone that leaves you with $0. So you have to sell merch. But then if all your profits come from merch, then you know you get home and guess what you barely broken even and now you have to restock merch so <laughs> there's well, there's you wouldn't do this if you didn't love doing right. it it's one of the things i like to talk about in the show too because like i said i don't bands don't complain about it but it's more prevalent uh, prevalent i think they should know like with buy the merch you gotta buy the merch and it's not because the merch costs a certain price the, the, the markup on it is so small for what it costs to make a shirt, or to, to if you're towing the, no, the not, merch behind you in a car, you're you're paying for the, you're paying for the gas to, to tow yeah. the merch, and then the, then the, then the clubs are taking a, a piece of the merch, and then which I never knew for the longest time. I'm like, that's like the mob. Live Nation, like, yeah, Live Nation does that, uh, and Live Nation is is gonna be the the straw that breaks the camel's back in in terms of bands my size being able to tour. Uh, Live Nation is the devil, and we should all be scared of live nation and what they're going to do to our local scenes and uh, the ability of the working musician, the, the, the back uh, breaking hard, hardworking musicians that actually don't have all the industry help aren't going to be able to, I mean, there's just, they have, just they have a stronghold. I don't even know how anyone could like, even as fans, like the prices are ridiculous. You know, if a show gets canceled, they still hold your tickets. They have like rights where you can't get your money back. I mean, it's literally like a, they got a lock on everything. They charge so much in fees that people don't want to buy pre-sales, and then they cancel your show because you didn't sell enough pre-sales. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's like here's the thing: these are rock shows. These aren't like pop shows. These aren't like you know big touring shows. These are rock shows. People want to pay ten or fifteen dollars cash. They want to come in. They want to drink you know, four or five tall boys and they want to fucking buy a shirt and they want to go home. They don't right. want to have to deal with all this, you know, uh, red tape and, and, and charts and graphs and checks and balances. It's, it's bullshit. I hate Live Nation. Uh, I had a couple bad run-ins with Live Nation on this tour and uh, I, you know, I basically told my agent, I said, I made a video on my Instagram that was basically like a you know, um, state of the union kind of presidential address. And I told my agent, I said, if I do this, are you going to be mad? Because, you know, obviously that reflects on him and he's a booking yeah. agent. And, you know, and he said, LG, you know, you do whatever the fuck you want. And, and that's why he's my agent, you know, because he doesn't try to, you know, stifle me as far as like what my legacy is and what I want to say and what I want to do. So it works out good. But yeah, I, I basically put it all out there and you know i think it's if people think it's a joke it's not a joke it's not funny i think with the way that real estate is now and the way that um you know it costs so much to rent in big cities yeah that yeah. you're going to be seeing a lot more live nation venues you're going to be seeing a lot less mid-level independently owned clubs uh which i've worked like my ass off for the last decade to get to um and they're just they're just shrinking. And then, you know, where am I going to go? I'm going to go back to the dive bars. Okay, great. You know, which I love a dive bar. I love a house show. I've played, you know, hundreds and hundreds of house shows and dive bars, you know. Uh, but I have I have worked very hard. And 
and I try to get in these rooms. And one, they don't promote our show as much because our guarantee isn't as big as someone, you know, who has that kind of muscle. And so they kind of don't prioritize us or know what to do with us. And then, or even promote to begin with. I mean, you know, Live Nation, they throw shit up online and they're like, okay, cool. That's, that's promoted. And it's like, that's well, not Live really. Live Nation's also more PG. You're also, you are rock and roll. You are raw rock and roll. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I so can't. So that's a challenge there. And I, that's what I like about you though. I like, it's real. It's like, it's like Motorhead. It's like, it's like the remote. It's like, it's, it's real. You know, Thank you. and and it's but it's also a financial challenge in a band like you. What I would love to see is is a band that's got a little more commercial swag, but also has its claws still into the market of of, of yours and fix you guys up like underneath their wing, so they can kind of like protect you there from you one like you make a baby bird, you know, like protect you from the the evilness of the, the industry, but get you out there on some bigger stages. You know, we've had a lot of opportunities. Uh, and by we, I mean I, you know, this band is my child and I'm the, really the only consistent member aside from a couple that do also come and go as they please, you know. So we've had a lot of those opportunities and I just don't think that what we do is meant for mass consumption in this moment and time. And that doesn't <laughs> it yeah, especially right, me. Especially right now, especially right now. Yeah, it used to bother me. It's still, I'm not going to lie, it still bothers me when I see how artists are, you know, kind of what what it takes slash what is valid in terms of success. But what I've done is I've blazed my own trail. And I wouldn't, I'm not stupid. I wouldn't do it if it didn't get a little better every time. It does. But we, as far as us ever blowing up or ever being, I kind of stopped giving a fuck. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? See you, yeah, but I can see you guys get to a point where you become a, a comfortable touring. But that's cool, what we are. Like, 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 no, like a no, like bigger, like a bigger, like a bigger venue band. We can oh, do it very comfortably. I, I would and hope tour. so. I would hope because so. Because I can see it. Because you, you, you're going to foster more of a, of a real audience that's going to be loyal. You know. Everyone um, that follows me is loyal, and right. That's one of the things that, again, keeps me doing it is knowing that I do have people who get what I do. And the then, music and you I, do, the creative creativity you do, what are you going to do? Pack envelopes like every day? It's not in you. It's not in you to well, not be creative. I'm going to do it regardless. I, I, you know, as I'm yeah. saying, I mean, you, you just have too much in you. I mean, with the amount of like EPs and then like. You, do, you have your own podcast and, and your personality and, and your pictures. You're always doing something funny. You always have something going on. You know, I haven't seen you live yet. Even your videos, it's not, you know, you're not just like dialing it in. Your heart's well, on your sleeve. Live shows what people think is, is the best well, usually thing about what we Selling point for every band. So yeah. I'm excited. Just I'm saying just seeing what I've seen. Yeah. The uh, one thing on the that has, screen. the one thing that has been frustrating for me as a rock band as of late is the fact that a lot of the clubs that we're playing in aren't used to rock bands. Yeah. <laughs> They're used to like pop bands or garage bands or psych bands, kind of a set it and forget it kind of mentality when it comes to running sound. And also they, the houses aren't as loud as they used to be because a lot of these venues are in spaces that aren't even supposed to be venues. So 
the rooms aren't tuned to having loud, loud music. So that's kind of been our Achilles heel as of late is that we're still really fucking loud and we're still a rock band that's very dynamic. We have low lows and high highs and, and getting in rooms where people actually, you know, I've had to tell a lot of engineers as of late, like, no, I'm not turning my guitar amp down. Like, no, like we're not doing that. Like, and I'm not trying to be a dick, but what I'm basically saying is like, this is a rock show. Like if you stand in the middle of the room and you can have a fucking conversation, then it's not a fucking rock show. Like, we were supposed to be loud. Our music is supposed to be played loud. It's not background music. It's not a Spotify playlist. It's fucking rock and roll. It's supposed to be you loud. Can it's Stooges, it's Motorhead. You can't be can't be thinking during it. You have to yeah. listen. You can't even think during it. It's gonna be so loud. I mean, I told that we played a club. We did a cl- two nights in a club, and the first night people were posting videos, and I could hear people talking next to them. <laughs> so the next night. You know, because they pride themselves on being a rock club. I said, do you want this to be a rock club? You have to turn up the house. You have to crank the house because I'm telling you, I, I know when my audience is connected to the experience. I know when the music is so loud and powerful that they can like what they it, you literally are coming to a rock show to do, yeah. which is to, like fucking block out the noise, you know, and just uh, be connected to the experience and i know when that's happening and when it's not loud enough in the house they can't do that and then the second night they turned it up in the fucking house and you could just see people like you know pulls you in banging their heads and fucking just being so excited and 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 stoked and that's you know luckily i could have that conversation because we played another night but i can't always have that conversation and a lot of these sound people just you know uh well they just don't they don't know any better. They've never seen a huge rock show. They don't even know what a fucking rock show is. That's why they come up and the first thing they say is, oh, you need to turn on your amp. Well, if I'm not feeding back on stage, I'm not going to turn up my turn down my amp. I'm going to well, leave my amp right where it is and you figure it out, asshole. You know, it's like, this is why people are at a rock show. I don't give a shit what you say. I think, and this is funny because I just, I had interviewed and, um, Right, right. I think prior around the same time period, you did. You saw you got to Corey Parks, Nashville Pussy. That band, the band, I think would probably have a harder time like cutting its way in because you're like, what are you compared to? You know what I mean? You know, and then the same thing. You're gonna have to just knock the doors down because it's the same way. That's what I've been doing, and and the thing that's giving me hope as of late, and I talked about this on my podcast, and I've talked a lot, a lot about it this year, is that there's a generation under the generation that's making music right now that I think okay. is, more, is more creative and feels a little slighted because they're looking around and all the bands that they have to choose from suck. So they're like, they're like very respectful of me and my band and what I've done in a way that I can't really speak to the generation above them. They also put on a show, the bands that I've been playing with that are younger, get dressed, write good songs. They're trying to do something individual. They're messing around with, you know, their ideas and their concepts and coming up with something that is really interesting. And it's like raw as fuck. Like they're pissed as they should be. You know, I think, uh, I think it's it's an exciting time to see these younger bands that are coming up and 
how much they uh, are going to bring, you know, to the to the table because yeah, there's a lot of good things on the horizon, and that's, that's good to see because I don't see. I think one of the things about your band is I don't see like I don't saw this on like an Instagram where they're talking this this one person. You can be on Instagram and have twenty thousand followers, thirty thousand, but if you go to a club, is that going to translate? Probably not. Well, it does translate. There are a lot of bands that have great Instagram followers. I mean, um, I mean the other way, starting as an Instagram person and being mostly Instagram in your bedroom, and then going out to try to tour with the big, the big, probably more of a pop oh, thing. I think, yeah, I, think no. I think there's a there's some weird numbers going on with their. Uh, well, there's smoke and I mean, there's whole bands that have built their following on having great Instagram yes. pictures, and I'll look and I'll say, "Man, this band hasn't even been around for." a couple of years and I'll look at how big they are and I'll be like every single thing that they do is curated and perfectly tailored to whatever audience that they're mm-hmm. trying to um you know do and they're they're just there's nothing to me there's nothing particularly good or great about the bands but they are meeting the criteria for the audience that they're trying to interact with so that's a way to do it. And that is, I, I, I know what people want to see me do. They want to see me, uh, you know, belt out bluesy songs like Janis Joplin and play, you know, uh-huh. slashy fucking melodic solos. And, you know, I, I know that because I look at what spot our, our, what our most popular Spotify songs are. And I, yeah. that's what they are. That's what people like. Um, I just refuse to do it because as an artist, I think I would probably jump off a bridge if I if I did whatever anyone expected or and also I just it's like rock and roll that's the whole point of playing it to me is just about expression and about just like being able to push boundaries and being able to have uh this medium to you know take all these influences and build your own house so i just i know what people want they want us to pander to the male gaze they want us to uh do all this shit that's just like been done before i mean there are plenty of all female rock bands out there it's not a novelty anymore if you want the runaways there's plenty of bands that are trying to sound like the runaways we're not trying to do that we're not trying to rehash old, old, tired themes. Like everybody, like I said, I feel very grateful because the art, the fans that I have, which are, you know, maybe not a huge amount, but the fans that I do have appreciate that I don't do that. Right. They appreciate that I'm doing something original. And I think they're as frustrated as I am. They're looking at me and they say, why aren't you this? Why aren't you this? Why don't you have this? And it's like, look, I've had all the breaks that a person could have. I've done all the things that a person could do. And and I'm not saying, I'm not discrediting those experiences. They were all great experiences. But what I'm doing is so much my own thing that it's going to take, it's going to take years for people to catch on, you know? And like I said, the generation under, like the, the kids that I see coming up now, the 19 to like 23 set, mm-hmm. those kids are doing cool shit and they're doing their own shit, which makes me think 
that that's my that's my new audience you know and and that's how it's split you know because for some reason they have a better bullshit filter than this other generation and my generation to, to i mean honestly yeah um so that's exciting but at the same time it's like whether anyone ever recognizes it on a wide scale is not for me i know that to a lot of people i'm already living my dream i tour constantly and you know am able to pay my rent and keep my lights on and pay women that i think are excellent at playing rock and roll to play rock and roll so all of those suck if it got a little easier for you though i mean people think it's so glamorous and even at the higher levels it's hard to perform yeah that's what everyone move on a bus and eat and take care of things it's not that easy to smile to everybody and you i think i think that people think that oh if you're successful it gets easier like even bitches i tour with they'll be like Oh yeah, this person tours on a bus or blah, and I'm like, it sucks too. It all sucks. I mean, it's a nicer place to sleep or safer to keep yourself. Your mindset, your perspective is your cage. You know what I mean? And like, if you, to me, I think that's partly why I haven't been super successful is because I, I won't lie. Like, I'm a little scared of success. I don't think it would be as fun. I don't think it would matter as much to me the wins that I have. And also I think the, the part of the joy of touring for me and the part of the joy of playing music is not knowing what the fuck is going to happen. Be more I mean, I'm not, I grew up in a very chaotic, very unbalanced, very toxic environment. So like, this is all I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is all I know. It's just like dealing with, intense personalities and trying to mediate some kind of like happiness and optimism in dire situations and entertain people. So I don't, I don't really, I often sometimes wonder if I should like talk to a spirit guide or someone who can fucking like maybe help me get through that mindset of like, God, it would be fucking boring to be, successful and i'd be a tool like a lot of these people who are successful they seem like tools you know? well it depends on how you handle it and how much you get trapped in that cage if all of a sudden if like you're like this isn't you but then you realize your band members or people in your crew are are living and taking care of their well so-and-so who's you have a crew all of a sudden and you get these people and how you do allows them to keep working and taking care of their their things and their kids and also you, you're responsible like you're like i don't have kids why am i responsible for the whole crew and their kids like it becomes larger, and then even if you don't want to be commercially trapped, you may feel obligated internally because of the people you have around you that are depending on you. Yeah, I mean, and that's I would, a different moral thing. I would like to be successful so that I had more money to be disruptive and spread my propaganda, and also to finance the other women in my band who I genuinely feel like have no other purpose in life other than to play rock and roll, but have to do other bullshit because sucks but it's really why and also because i could afford more lap dances (laughs) (laughs) that's funny if you come to the back of a shirt that's a quote for you right there let's talk about you so you do write a lot a lot is that just something you you, you, i i assume i think it probably just comes out of you like you don't have to sit down to songwriting time for the new albums coming up like you just have an idea and you're just it comes when it comes well, there's two 
like a lot of people who write songs um and thank you for asking me about writing songs because i feel like whenever i do interviews no one asks me about that um they're like what's craziest thing you ever seen on tour <laughs> I, I i talk about like this stuff the real stuff because you're well, it's more I talk to, you're a real person well yeah i mean I, I can you can go on wikipedia and you can do that and you can watch this other stuff but i try not to do that well the whole thing with the songwriting process for me is i get ideas and I usually voice memo those ideas mm-hmm. or make a video of myself, like I'll noodle on guitar or I'll just have an idea because something has happened in my life. A lot of times, I don't know why my brain has always gone to songwriting as like therapy, but I guess it was because like I grew up in such a traumatic environment that I could play guitar and I could write songs. So I, that's just like what I would do when something bad happened or when I was in a period of my life where I needed some sort of therapy or way of expressing myself and how I was feeling. So it's always, I mean, every song I've ever written usually starts out as uh, I'm, I, I have an idea and then I'll come up with a riff or something or I'll be noodling and I'll come up with something and then I'll keep that. And then when I do go to make a record, I usually go back through all those ideas mm-hmm. and then I make a actual demo where I take that idea and either I build the drums, I build the bass, I build the keys, I build whatever background vocals I'm hearing, whatever lead guitar parts. And then I build that out in an actual demo. And then either I love the demo and it becomes a song for Thelma and the Sleaze, some things that aren't for Thelma and the Sleaze, some things are, I, I put away and I, I have like a, I started like five, four or five years ago, like a fan exclusive Dropbox link where people gave me whatever they could afford and they could have access to this Dropbox link with like all. Old school Patreon account? <laughs> yeah, basically like a Patreon before Patreon. And the thing was, you only had to pay for it once and, you know, you pay whatever you thought it was worth to hear kind of just my ideas. Mm-hmm. And and which is to me would be exciting because you could hear the ones that actually became Thelma and the Sleeve songs or you would have this secret song that you didn't even, you know, wouldn't have thought that I would do, you know, because I write a lot of stuff that doesn't even sound remotely like Thelma and the Sleeve. And some of that stuff has made its way into Thumb of the Sleeves and maybe it'll be on the record or something, but it'll never come out live or it'll never, it's like there are little things that have come out that. Demos are fun. Like if you're a real fan of the band, like when, they, yeah. they, like when an album comes out, like, oh, we're going to do an anniversary and we'll have all these demos on. Everyone's like, boo. I'm like, no, the demo, I already had the album, the first half of it. Yeah. And if it's remastered, sometimes it's better, sometimes it's not. I'm like, but let's check out the demo part. The demos to me are the coolest part. If I could just put out demos. I mean, I did put out my last EP. It's, it's all a little better than demos. I mean, I, I definitely spent more time making them sound better, but I basically recorded all of it. What in about my the lyrics, demo. though? Yeah. Are you the doing lyrics... those at the same time, or are those last? Well, usually, like I said, I start out with a line, like I'll be driving, or something will happen, or I'll strum something on guitar. So the lines usually come before, really. I, I mean, there really are just moments where I just grab my guitar and I just start playing a song. I, whether you know and I don't worry about the theory of it I don't worry about anything I just 
I'm writing this song and I'm trying to really I'm just more concerned with the tone. Like, what am I trying to express in this moment? And I, and I, as much as I have become a better musician in like a theoretical, theoretical sense, I still try to write songs from that place where it's just like I'm trying to get a point across and I want to make music to kind of like if you listen to our song Ain't Your Baby No More, it's like one chord the entire time. But there's a whole atmosphere about it. There's a whole dynamic shift. There's lots of dynamic shifts inside that song that, you know, to me is is how I'm in, always interested, like why I don't get compared to the Stooges more. Because when you listen to a song like that, where it's just like so repetitive, but also like kind of hypnotizing and, and just so like tense. And there's so much like starting out from this tone to this, you know, now I'm screaming like which isn't intentional but when i hear that i think like damn that's like kind of the stooges <laughs> you know like and i and i like i said it's like there's uh there's there's all kinds of different ways that they come but they all end up either being demoed by me in my house and i usually try to demo them to completion and that's also for songwriting like publishing purposes because yeah. i don't so want anyone to take credit for anything that they didn't do which still happens um but you know it's like you weren't th- like here's the tape literally of me writing this song and like oh i i wrote that and i'm like you didn't but people were people like to try to inject their shit onto your shit but it's fine but yeah but it's, it's a challenge uh, though as a touring musician at your level because then if they're not a piece of the pie why are they going to want to be a piece of the band if they're depending on touring Everyone, yeah. wants a, everyone wants a piece of the publishing because you get your hands to something else, you know. And well, assuming that anything ever came of anything, yes, that would. I'm be not nice. saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's always a struggle yeah. with being a songwriter and a leader of the band. Well, the the good thing is is that I do those demos so that there's no question of where it it all comes from. And and when those kinds of things have arose, it's always been like, check the cassette tapes. Yeah. I have all these cassette tapes. And they're all the whole song, pretty much. So that's that's usually how it comes about. And then I play it for the girls. If the girls, who whoever I'm playing, I mean, I have, at this point, I've had 26 bandmates. I have, like, a core 12 that I actually, like, try to stay within that rotation. Sometimes mm-hmm. I have to go outside of that. But usually there's there's a core group of ladies that, and, and there's gr- women inside of that group that i bounce ideas off of whether they're playing with me at the time or not just because Mm -hmm. i respect their opinion opinions and either they'll be like that's dope or they'll be like that sucks (laughs) you know and then i'll keep working on it some more they'll be like i would like it better if that and i'll be like okay cool but yeah i usually i usually bounce off my ideas mostly to like coochie or pig pen or chase my tenderizer she's not been in my band for you know six years at this point but i still value her opinion so the other thing is i think and and it's funny because sometimes a band will get together and you'll have a core songwriter and and we've watched a million behind the music growing up my age group you see and i've actually talked to artists that what happens is they'll they'll write an album and and everyone loves the album and does pretty well we're not talking platinum we're talking big right and then the band sees that the main songwriter they didn't care the guitar plays and singer whatever getting extra you know, on the side because they wrote the song. Also, everybody else in the band wants to write. And then if you're 
all right, well, then we'll do it. But then the sound drastically will change a lot. And if you like a band, a lot of artists will be like, well, the second album wasn't as good. And you start looking at the songwriting credits, and like everybody and their mother's on that songwriting. And so it changes the sound of the band at times. That's a danger, you know? Yeah, I... The Especially only... if you had 26 people writing with you. <laughs> what yeah, the hell's the your sound? Only, <laughs> the only thing that really, like, take for instance, our, our new album that we're just finishing, Coochie would probably have, I would say, like, she has, she plays the organs, and I can kind of just, like, barely show people what I want them to do mm-hmm. on the keys, but and I try to do as much as that with Coochie as I can. But at the end of the day, like she's level 100, like advanced, like fucking like an actual player. iconic keys player. And so there are going to be moments where she's playing around with sounds or she's coming up with parts to like fill in the, the blanks where I left shit out that she might come up with something that I go, oh, like we should build off of that. You know, or we should take. I like that direction you're going. Let's go all the way in that direction. But it's never come into question whether I wrote this. Like the song is the melody, and the lyrics. Anything outside of those things that's going to happen. Um, and like I pull a lot of shit out of the people I play with when I'm in the songwriting process and I'm coming up with parts and stuff because there are things I can't play. So if I'm playing. Which is like why Coochie and Pigpen are on the record is because Coochie and Pigpen, they are both people I can say, hey, I want this sound or hey, I want this feeling or hey, you know, try to try to build that out more in this section. Like if they take that and they know most generally what I'm talking about and they mm-hmm. can execute that and, and how I'm hearing it. So like there are people I play with that I wouldn't expect that from and I, you know, I don't have that trust with, but there are yeah. other ones that I do, and, and like I said, they don't, they would never ask for credit for my songs, but if if the chef came and I was literally like, you know, um, able to get on that level or whatever, like, there's no question, there's no question that I would take care of Coochie, you know, or I would take care of Pigpen, or I would take care of these members of my band that I actually... Obviously, there's other ones in there, but like it, it just wouldn't even be a right. question that I would do that because, you know, they're in, maybe they don't in, inject their own creative ideas into our songs necessarily right. in a way that really changes the song, but like their presence and their energy obviously is going to influence. And I do play with a lot of women that I like so much and I like their playing so much that. I can just basically be like, you come play on this record or you come play this show because I think you're going to, you know, compliment whatever I'm trying to do at the time, which is a nice thing, you know, because everyone plays differently. And, and I know my fans who have been seeing us play for years and years know that there are certain lineups that, you know, there's so many different lineups. Like every time I play, it's a different lineup, but there are certain lineups that just like everything has its own vibe. And that's why it's exciting. I hope for my fans to get to see us, you know, maybe they're like, I want to hear the way it sounds on the record. Well then go listen to the record. record. Great. Yeah. Like I, I personally think it's exciting to get to play with and, and hopefully my fans think it's exciting to get to see 
all the different women that connect to the songs and, and want to be a part of the experience. So I think it's kind of neat to have an auxiliary list. Usually bands usually break up and have to keep bringing in people on tour. You kind of just start out with your own list of people to keep working with you. And so one of the things I do like, I like your, uh, it's your SG guitar. Yes. Love SG. I love that guitar of yours. It's, uh, I don't see an SG back there. I don't have one. I know. Why I have some not? more stairs. So I, the one I want to get, I ain't got money for right now. Oh. And usually I, I'm a, I'm a, I like to get my guitars at pawn, pawn shops now. Oh, I don't know. Go, go, go from there, you know. The, the Aria Pro is an 83. I got that for like 40 bucks online. Um, I get a lot of my guitars. I find them real cheap, and then I just build them up. Nice. It's more fun, but I can't afford it. I want the kind of SG I want. It's like, you know, real expensive. <laughs> you know, and then you still don't know if it sounds good because, you know, sometimes it's not as good as the used one. It's true. Yeah, the, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would buy a new guitar. Takes so long to break them in. Right, that's Yamaha, the whole point. I know. Yamaha sends me great new guitars that I love, but it takes me a while to build to like really. Uh, but I do, um, I do play a lot at home, so I just try to use the new ones as my my practice guitars. You know my. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean. I just it's awesome. I've seen your videos and stuff. I love it. I noticed it as like a sweet looking guitar. Yeah, Sounds she's good. she's a beautiful. She's my pride and joy. And uh, yeah, sometimes I just look at her and I think, wow, that's my guitar. <laughs> it is. It's just your guitar. It's definitely your guitar. Your yeah. sound. It's, it's the ones I, I connect that one with you most. Um, but so people need to check you out on your website, and you also do a cool podcast. I don't know how often mm-hmm. you're doing it because I know you're touring and stuff, but it's pretty yeah, fun. I enjoy I'm it. You're, you're, you're right road. from the hip. So, thank you. Now I'm back on the road. I think we're gonna try to do six episode seasons, like maybe once or twice a year. Yep. So uh, my goal is to get to 100 episodes, but you know, um, it's just a matter of uh, I don't want to do it. It's not like I don't want to do it if it's not good. I'm not getting in the right interviews or the people I really want to talk to. Mm-hmm. I try to like interview people I don't really want to talk to, and it didn't go very well. So. I'd rather just wait and find the right people that I'm actually interested in what they have to say and that I feel like uh, contribute to the the podcast, you know, because yeah. it really is supposed to be about women who are uncompromising and who I respect and whose path to success or definition of success maybe isn't, you know, the norm and and how, you know, how they achieve that. Well, I'm going to encourage people to check that out and check out your... So you have a new, newer album, too? Because you have a couple of things out for releases. Yes, I have two rec- releases out right now. Um, Sacred is Hell, which is the EP I did in quarantine. I did that at my house. Um, me and my drummer, Pigpen, sent that record back and forth uh, over the internet and just kind of <laughs> figured it out. And... I definitely was on the fence as like, oh, should I put this out as like an actual album in the city's release? But because I, I mixed it and put it together myself. But then I was like, it was just such an important thing to me at that time because it was so reflective of what being in quarantine was mm-hmm. like for me. Uh, and it was just such a, a great record of like what my studio, my home studio was at. And it just like, the lyrics and everything is just really about being stuck in your house and having 
really only our interactions with people were on the internet and how infuriating that was, you know. <laughs> so I needed to put it out, and I'm glad I did because there are some real gems on there, and it might not be super high-fi or, you know, it sits somewhere between a studio album and demos. It's just kind of in its own little area, and I'm really proud of it. You know, obviously there are things I hear now, even just having recorded it and gone through the process, I'm like, I could have boosted that or this sounds better, you know, but I'm not going to go backwards. So then after I did that EP, I did a live session on uh, some live session website thing for during COVID and we recorded it all at this great studio in Muscle Shoals. Um, which actually we did not record it at Jackson Highway, even though Jackson Highway is on the cover. Um, <laughs> we did it at another studio here, which to me is a cooler studio. Maybe not historically, but just like... Yeah, it's on Muscles. Muscles. That's pretty cool. So Yeah, we did record it in Muscle Shows, but it's not at Jackson. That's an exclusive for your podcast. Uh, but yeah, well, I did that session as a record release for Sacred as Hell. So a lot of the songs on Sacred as Hell, if you're hearing them and you're like, man, I can't handle this lo-fi quality. This isn't for me. If you buy the Live from Muscle Shoals CD, we do the whole record live from start to finish in this really nice studio. And it's not mixed, really. It's like very, it's very live, but it sounds so good. I listened to it again the other day and I was just like, wow, it's so good. And there's... um. A live version of High Class Woman and a live version of Hot Steam on that record. That, And I say live, but it's live in studio. So it's like, it sound, to me, it was important to do that because the way that we play those songs, High Class Woman and Hot Steam, are like so different from how they are on the record. And I really wanted um, to have updated versions of those. So th- I, I would say that Sacred as Hell and Live from Muscle Shoals are good brother-sister releases because neither of which are studio conventional studio albums but if you like sacred or hell as hell or you appreciate that record but you're like i want more fidelity um the live from muscle shoals record has all those songs and i'm never going to put the live from muscle shoals record up on streaming only available on cd through our website so but you can get both of them on our website draw draw a foot in the thing right just put it out there well, I just... Some people uh, don't have CD players. Well, they can go to Goodwill and get one. Uh, there's some... I'm sorry. There's some things that sound good on cassette. There are some things that sound good on vinyl. And there are some things that sound good on a CD. Most and this things record, sound good on vinyl. <laughs> yeah, this record actually sounds really good on CD. Uh, it uh, has a lot of low end. It has a lot of, uh, you know, just... Uh, like I said, it's really, it's just, I know you're going to think I'm full of shit, but it sounds really good on I have, CD. Yeah, I, have a, I, have a, I have a recording degree, so I know about the yeah. and everything else. I... But uh, I, nothing to me sounds good on Spotify, so. Yeah, I don't really, <laughs> so, I don't really stream And then much. you just yeah. finished a new album called, an actual studio album called uh, Holy Water that's going to come out either December, January next year, and um, it's going to be... 10 songs and next year as in like 23 not like as in this coming up december 2023 yeah december no 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 it should be this december okay it would be like yeah i'm, I'm trying like a year to, and a half away. to get it done by december but i don't know that that's really actually going to happen i think 
it'll probably be more like uh, January, but I, I try to put pressure on myself and other people for no reason. Well, that's a good time to get out, though. For records, if you can do this, that's the, the time period. The, I the, wanted to come Thanksgiving, out holiday, you want to get out before the holidays, before the big well, buying Christmas. We used, to have, we used to have this single out on Christmas, the first right. single to like get the hype going. But it's a, it's a more live-sounding record than my last record. But there are some really nice uh, like production touches and... The playing on it's just phenomenal. Uh, like I said, there's every if you like Thumb in the Sleeves, I should uh, hope that you like the Motown kind of soulful Thumb in the Sleeves, you the blues, rock and roll Thumb in the Sleeves, and the kind of electronic sounding like 80s Thumb in the Sleeves, and the heavy fucking Sabbath sound, sounding Thumb in the I think if you just like it from what I've heard and from what you have up now, you either like you or you don't, you know? Yeah, no. It's really comes down to, I don't think. But everything that I think people do like about us is present on this album. And there's some okay. new there's some new stuff too. So vocally, I feel like it's my best performance and uh, you know, the players on it are excellent and we put a we made it happen in a time when making shit happen is extremely frustrating. So, I'm excited for people to hear it. So yeah, I was so like, far away, though. you'll, you'll be out by then. By the I, I, you'll, you'll be ready for another album already by then. Just have to I hold on to it. Always, I'm always ready for a new album. <laughs> I always have to keep am, you busy, right? <laughs> I always have at least uh, ten ideas in the barrel, ready to shoot. There you go. Hearing all the different influences that are there. So I, oh, I like that. I like that. I, but I hate to say it out loud because I feel like when somebody says it out loud, if somebody's in the car or whatever, they're watching this on YouTube or wherever, however, you're, whatever you hear they sound like you know um i don't know zz top and lsd i'm not saying that's what it is i'm just saying something crazy out there and they're like that's what's in their mind it also becomes a thing you know what i mean yeah i don't want to put that out there you guys oh yeah rock is just rock and you'll hear different influences but it creates its own sound and that's why you can't compare it that's probably the yeah. difference yeah me no you thank know? you for hearing that and thank you for having me and uh, oh. good luck with your your podcast <laughs> if that's what you call it i don't even know what you call it anymore because it is on youtube and it's a podcast everywhere it's yeah. just uh well thank you i just well your do, interview uh, show yeah it's yeah. good I, I enjoy sharing i took fucking music and, and sharing with other people so you know it's all good right that's yeah do. um so people check the links on the podcast on youtube the links are there um people know by now they watch it and how do you come back again when your album's out or something? You want to come back? We'll keep promoting you. Yeah. Once yeah. Thank you for giving me a platform to spread the sleaze. And, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess, right, the sleaze. Uh,